Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Time now for our play by play call of the day. Boy will be the inbounder here. 2.4 to go in a tie game. Foy inbounding on the near side. Finds Lopez. Left side. Bumps. Fade away. Baseline jumper is good at the buzzer. Brooke Lopez wins it for Brooklyn. All right. Uh, Chris Carino on WFAN. It is, you're like, why the celebration? That's only the 14th win the Nets have had all year. Really? 14? Really? Yeah, and last I checked, the Sixers are well over 20. Yes, Sixers are fine. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact their two best players aren't playing. Trust the process. I'll get back to you on that. Okay. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> the uh, Penn State football team will be taking the field in about a half hour, 45 minutes to start spring practice. Let's bring in Rich Scarcella now, Reading Eagle. Rich, welcome. Great to have you with us. And uh, we'll start with your checklist. What are a couple of things you want to see and we'll take note of as this progresses? Okay. Um, well, I, I wrote a bigger picture column today on um, what has interested me is ever since, I don't know if it's since the Wisconsin Big Ten Championship game, but James Franklin has made it a point to say, you know, we have basically we haven't arrived yet. We have a long way to go. We have a lot of work to do. And I'm just, I was just curious, and that's what I asked yesterday: was where, where does he think the program is going within in the next five years? And I, I thought he gave a, a pretty good answer. Um, he wants to have uh, the goal is to be the number one program in the country. That doesn't mean number one ranked. That means to be the number one program in the country. And uh, I, I find that it's interesting that he uh, is not uh, happy with, or not satisfied, I should say, not happy, not satisfied with one very, very good season. Uh, he would like to have sustained success. And so, and, and that may sound pretty obvious. But for a coach to come out and say that, that more or less that, you know, hey, it's great we won the Big Ten championship and got to the Rose Bowl, but, you know, we, we have bigger things in mind than that. All right, big picture as someone who's covered this for a long mm-hmm. time, and you've seen those moments. You've mm-hmm. covered those moments. You've, mm-hmm. you've covered sustained success. Mm-hmm. Do you see items in place that allow a big picture assessment such as the one he offered yesterday? Well, I think so. I mean, I think uh, it's a. It's still uh, there's still a ton of returning players who have seen a lot of action. Uh, by my count, there's 18 starters back, and that includes the kicker and the punter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot for those of you who don't know that. I mean, that that'll be. I, I haven't looked at the other Big Ten teams, but I'm going to guess that's going to be one of the, the, the uh, highest in the 
in the conference. Right. Uh, the recruiting, obviously, they're doing a terrific job in recruiting. And, uh, you know, they're the two things. And they, they are developing players. I mean, we can talk about – I'll just talk about the offensive line last year where you lost uh, your starting tackles and you still managed to average a rank among the national leaders in scoring and total offense. So they are developing players. They are – last year they, they did win – and they are recruiting well, so I think there's a lot of things in place. If not, uh, you know, I'm not sure what else. And I think a big com- key component, Steve, that he meant James Franklin mentioned yesterday, or maybe he mentioned it right after the Rose Bowl, keeping the staff intact. Yes. And they were able to do that, at least for this year. And I think that's a very positive sign. In fact, it was not only losing the two starting tackles; you also lost the primary backup. You lost yep. three guys right. in Paris, right? Uh, sure, right. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. and yeah. they did a, a. Do you feel they had to be very clever and inventive? They had to think outside mm-hmm. of the box the last couple of years to solve problems before this past season. Mm-hmm. Did you see some benefit from the fact that they had to think outside the box to come up with a couple of solutions they came up with last year? Yeah, I mean they did. They moved moved guys around on the. I mean, look at Ryan Bates played. You know, three different positions. I think two, at least two, anyway. On the offensive line, they did things schematically differently on offense. Obviously, with the uh, arrival of Joe Moorhead, um, you know they're they have a lot of pieces in place. I I, I like. Um, you know what they've been able to do uh, so far uh, through three years uh, of, of this current uh, staff, and um, you know I I I think um, you know another position that we I didn't talk about was linebackers. Look at how right. all the injuries a linebacker, and they were able to overcome that and finish eleven and three, win the Big Ten championship, get to the Rose Bowl. So. Um, I think that's. Uh, I, I think the coaching staff does deserve uh, some credit for that. Playing in a championship game like mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Big Ten championship game, mm-hmm. what benefit does that now do for the mentality of a player to have been through that? Well, my guess is that for some, because I've never been through it, mm-hmm. but my guess is that they have. They can draw upon what it took to get to that position. And that it doesn't start on the first Saturday in December, but maybe the 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 third week in March, right. or maybe even earlier than that. Maybe this, you know, this maybe the third week in January when conditioning uh, off season conditioning begins. And I think that message um, is loud and clear. And I, I what I do like another thing I like about this team. Now we don't know, you know, they got a long way to go here, but I like. Uh, the veterans on this team, and I like the leadership on this team, um, and that includes Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley and uh, Jason Cabinda. Those are the three that come to my mind first, and I think they're three very, very good leaders. All right, um, defensively, a lot of people have talked about the end spots because you'll have Evan Schwan and yep. Garrett Sickles moving on. What are some possibilities there that you're interested to see? Oh, I'm really interested to see Sharif Miller play. Yeah. On a full-time basis, that's mm-hmm. that's the one that really sticks out to me. Uh, we've seen uh, Torrance Brown, and I think uh, I think he's got a lot of 
upside to him yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one I would like to see, the one I'm really interested in seeing is Sharif Miller. I think, uh, uh, you know, that's that's the one that sticks out to me. Um, the, you know, because I think he's got enormous potential. Someone that has enormous potential and is from your area, mm-hmm. uh, how, how interested do you see the progress Michael Mennett makes? Well, I, I'm very interested because uh, he's very dedicated, very committed, uh, very talented. And I think um, if, in fact, Connor McGovern moves from guard to center for in the fall, I mean, he's going to begin spring practice today at center, but if he is the starting center, then that opens, obviously, a spot at guard. And Michael Mennett, I think would be a leading, if not the leading candidate, to fill that position. So I, I think, I know this, I know he can't wait to get into a game and, and play. Uh, you know, the, I don't want to use the expression, but he I hate to use it, and it sounds trite, but he is chomping at the bit to get on the field into a game. Right. And I think, I, I, I'm really curious, I'm really interested in watching him play over the next four years. I want to get back to the the big picture part. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of coaches don't talk big picture. Uh, nope, they don't. And, and so, were you taken aback when it started in that direction yesterday? No, no. I mean, I was the, I, and I had the first question, and I and I set him on that course. And I think somebody else, it might have been Ben Jones, asked later yeah. about it. And I'm I'm not surprised because, like I said, Steve, the reason why I asked it was because James had brought it up periodically yeah. since the Big Ten Championship game, and I, I was curious, and I ne- nobody ever got a chance to ask him, well, when you say you have a lot of work to do, where do you want to, where do you want this program to be? And, and as I brought up in the column, and you and I know, there's no better measuring stick than in their division, and that's Ohio State, what they've done the last five years. Right. You know, and that's, that's the, right now, that to me is Penn State's measuring stick. How do you measure how do you measure against Ohio State? Where are you at with them? And if they get on to the same uh, level as Ohio State, and I'm not talking about, yes, I know, Penn State beat Ohio State last year in one game, and I, I get that. But I'm talking about program-wise. I'm talking about consistency. I'm Like I, in my column, sustained success over a period of years. If they get to that level, <laughs> they're right up there with the, the best in the country. Right. No, that's exactly right. Uh, the fact that, you know, and you want to put that goal out there, mm-hmm. you want people to work toward it. I think, mm-hmm. I, th- I think what ha- the Rose Bowl thing left a taste in his mouth. Mm-hmm. In other words, despite everything and then not getting that one, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's helped stir what you talked about. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just my, in, in, talk, in talking to him a little bit here and there or listening to him here a little bit and there, I think that has, I think that has something to do with it. In other words, as much as they accomplished, okay, got to accomplish more. I, I completely agree, and I, and, and I remember the, the third Saturday in January when we were up there for an early morning press conference, kind of a season wrap, and a lot of questions were focused on recruiting, naturally, because it was that, it, you know, the National Signing Day was coming up. But I asked James about the hunger. Will that make the team hungrier losing the Rose Bowl? And I and he and he made that clear that it would. Be. And I think, you know, you I haven't talked to him privately, and I'm guessing you have. But I'm guess I know I get the sense 
that he's as hungry as anybody. Uh, and that, and I think that's good, it, you know, uh, for the long run, for this season and for the long run. I think it's good that they lost the game. It may not sound, it, you know, the fact that a lot of people were disappointed. I know the way that, the fact that they lost, the fact that the way they lost it, they had a lead. But I, I actually think that's, that's going to fuel them. I think that's going to fuel some motivation on this team. I, I, in my opinion, I don't think he wants to be in a spot any longer where, oh, boy, what a great game, too bad. But, boy, what a great season. I think he wants to have a great season and yep. wants it to finish as a yes. great season. No question about it. There's no question about it. I, I, I completely agree with that. And the other thing that, that it's out of their control, but it's not out of their control, is getting into the 14 playoff. I think that's probably uh, motivating some people, too, in that locker room. I think I think Rich last year put them in a spot now where by winning they have put themselves in a spot to now instead of coming out of nowhere to try and get in now right. you're already somewhere what can you do with somewhere right right I mean they're going to be they'll be in the top ten twelve yeah. in the preseason rankings I don't think there's any doubt about that right. and and you're right they won't have to come out of nowhere to get into that level if if they get to Eleven wins. You know, if they have, if they, if they do win the East Division, if they do get to the championship game, if they do win the Big Ten championship, then they they should be in position to get into that fourteen playoff. Rich, appreciate it very much. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Steve. My pleasure. Rich Scarcella, Reading Eagle, back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. All right, uh, Trace McSorley, Jason Gabinda, Nick Scott. Trace on offense, uh, Jason Gabinda defense, Nick Scott special teams as the three captains for Penn State this year as they start spring practice today. Probably out there stretching right now. It was always the uh, suit's favorite part of uh, workout stretch. After that, then they started running plays, and it got complicated, and then, they, okay, he bailed. But, it's all right. So there you are. And uh, those are the headlines of the day. Jason Tatum's going to enter the uh, NBA draft one year at Duke. He will not be the last. Uh, uh, also, the NFL is talking about the flexible commercial breaks for NFL games. I mean, they're they're worried about pace of play. They're worried about how long games are going. And you know they they're trying what they're trying to avoid is touchdown scored extra point commercials come back kick off run back not run back touch back whatever commercials again that's what they're trying to avoid okay, so they're trying to avoid that 
They would like to possibly centralize replay reviews, shifting the final authority to league officials in New York. Referees would follow along on a video tablet rather than using the sideline replay hood. Good. More attention paid to the amount of time that passes when the game clock is stopped. League plans to add a play clock following extra points and possibly after touchdowns to standardize the time uh, between that and the kickoff. They want to standardize that play clock, and it starts after a player runs out of bounds. Next week, the big item on the agenda. Oh, look, Goodell's concerned because NFL television ratings fell 8% last year. So that's why I want to look at some of these proposals. But the big agenda item next week is the Raiders' uh, petition to move to Las Vegas. You're going to be leaving if the Raiders leave. Now think about this. The NFL really has, or had, a great West Coast situation. Not good, great. Seattle, Oakland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego. That's pretty darn good up and down the coast. Pretty darn good. Now you're going to have, if this goes through, and it looks like they have an excellent shot of having it go through, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Losing San Diego and losing Oakland hurts in several ways. First of all, the Chargers are not wanted in Los Angeles. And a big issue for the Chargers is that they could make themselves grow into the L.A. consciousness if they could win. But the problem is they're taking a team from San Diego up to Los Angeles that is probably a four- to six-win team. Not good. Playing in a small place, the StubHub Center, issues. In Oakland, Oakland's a little bit better off as a community than you realize. It's also part of being the sixth largest market in the country. You're going from the sixth largest market in the country in Oakland to the 40th largest market in the country in Las Vegas. Yes, untapped. Yes, willing to roll state money into it to the tune of $750 million. Now they're doing it through bond issues and hotel taxes and things like that. I mean, that's how they're doing it. It's not actually coming out of the taxpayers' uh, wallets in Nevada. But that's what you're doing. You're leaving the sixth largest market in the country, and you're going to the 40th. Yes, in San Diego, you're going to the second largest market in the country, but it's already occupied. You already have a team there. And you're losing a, you know, you're losing part of that tradition uh, of the Oakland Raiders. Now I know they went to L.A. for a period of time, but starting in 1960, the Chargers after one year in Los Angeles then went to San Diego and have been there since 1961. And it just it just I don't know what's more important the the cash flow from investors to do this or the fans? I think we know the answer to that. I don't know. 
Now, if we could get a group of investors telling you Milheim would build us a stadium, I'm telling you, make the suit the general manager, at least a figurehead, convince them that digital media throughout the course of the stadium would be a winner, and away we go. Sean, I'm telling you, it's brainstorming moments such as these that set this show apart. Sunbury Motors Lincoln continues to satisfy the most discerning buyer by making American luxury affordable. If you are looking for a midsize SUV, the Lincoln MKX has to be on your list. Sunbury Motors Lincoln has a brand new 2016 Black Velvet MKX all-wheel drive with navigation and panoramic Vista roof with an MSRP of $48,640 for only $43,352. That's $5,288 in savings. You can choose from 12 MKXs in stock now. Sunbury Motors Lincoln has five 2017 Lincoln Continentals in stock, ready for the test drive of your life. The 2017 Continental won the coveted 2017 AutoGuide.com Reader's Choice Luxury Car of the Year Award. Sunbury Motors has a 2017 Continental with an MSRP of 48315 discounted to 46315 Now is the time to see why more people are realizing they can move up to a brand new Lincoln from Sunbury Motors Lincoln in the North Fourth street auto plaza sunbury hi this is season purdy for over 85 years the purdy insurance agency has been protecting families and businesses of the greater susquehanna valley and beyond our trained and knowledgeable staff has centuries of experience so rest assured your needs will be evaluated and met by some of the industry's best representatives no matter what your insurance needs are call purdy insurance today at 286-5855 Check us out online at purdyinsurance.com or visit us on Facebook to see what we can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports bozo of the day. I'm sure LeVar Kardashian did something today. Had to have. Well, the bottom line is, LeBron James says, look, don't bring my kids into this. And he's absolutely right. The whole league just must be sitting there saying, oh, This guy's going to be part of our lives for a decade and a half? I mean, really? All right, some sad news to report. The great Dallas Green, who led the Phillies to their first ever world championship. They have two, right? Took a long time to get there, but he's the one that got the job done in 1980. Has uh, passed away. So, uh, a great, great career. Uh, 
guy that uh, during the course of his, I mean, he had a nice playing career. I mean, you know, he, I mean, he played what he pitched for what eight years in the majors, nearly two hundred games of pitching. And then, of course, uh, hard nosed manager of the uh, of the Phillies. And uh, Bill Lyon wrote a great piece about him, saying that Dallas Green was a baseball lifer, old school, and, as he puts it, damn proud of it. His favorite word was belly, meaning grit, gumption, heart, hustle. He had little patience for those who tried to cut corners. Imagine how he would have felt about the guy that was standing in that studio five minutes ago. Oh, stop laughing, Sean. (laughs) His favorite saying was, we, not I. I'm a screamer, a yeller, a cusser, he happily agreed. I never hold back. Uh, Big man, six foot five. Larry Boa says it was like what the Packers used to say about Vince Lombardi. He treats all of us alike, like dogs. <laughs> In the Bill James Guide to Baseball Managers, Bill Lyon writes, Dallas Green was voted the most controversial skipper of the 1980s. With his trenchant assessment, Dallas Green was the last of the hard backside managers surviving from the free, the pre-free agency era. <laughs> They say without Green lashing on to them, the 1980 Phillies would not have brought the franchise their first championship. His peel-the-paint-off-the-walls tirades rallied them, unified them, lit that fire in the belly, and he was always talking. And when it was over, Green waded into the champagne-soaked bedlam of the champion's locker room and sought out each player and bestowed bear hugs and tear streak thank yous. He knew exactly how much this meant for the city, for the fans, and for the players. Uh, Bill Lyon in Philly.com and the Inquirer Daily News went on to write that the Phillies in the late 70s were undeniably talented. They won the National League East three years in a row, but always went belly up in the playoffs. They brought in Pete Rose. And in 1979, couldn't get it done. Green then stepped in. All that talent, you're one of the poorest teams in baseball last year. No more, no more excuses, no more alibis. The Lion writes, gone was the cushy country club atmosphere. Out came the whip, like a parent grabbing a recalcitrant child by the ear. Dallas Green marched the Phillies to another pennant, another postseason berth, but this time they didn't fold. And in the process, he became only the fourth manager to win a World Series in his first year. Besides the Phillies along the way, were for the Cubs, Mets, Yankees. 81, the Cubs hired him away from the Phillies as the GM. Nineteen eighty four, Green had the long suffering. Woebegone Cubs in the postseason. He was voted Executive of the Year. Things then unraveled after that. 
and typical uh, when the palace guard is around there were power struggles assassinations by whispers all those things for which Dallas Green had no taste for he resigned in October of 87 but he left behind a farm system that produced people like Greg Maddox Raphael Palmero, Jamie Moyer, Mark Grace among others it laid a foundation for the 89 Cubs division title. And, uh, of course, he had the Mets and the Yankees beyond that. And uh, he went 129 games with the Yankees, had nine more losses than wins, Green was cast adrift. Of course, he didn't help his cause by repeatedly referring to the owner as Manager George. Said Dallas Green, I can't be somebody I'm not. And that was Dallas Green in a nutshell. So Dallas Green passing away today. The man who took the Phillies to their first World Series championship in 1980. All right. Well, we're actually bearing down on opening day, aren't we? So, what, 10 days away? The World Baseball Classic Championship game is tonight, Puerto Rico and the U.S. For the first time ever, I watched a World Baseball Classic game last night. And it was the U.S. and Japan. It was actually a heck of a game. Andrew McCutcheon drove in a big run, ball got out of the plate, and he just turned and drilled that thing, knocked in a run. They won a 2-1 to one last night, so they get Puerto Rico tonight at uh, Dodger Stadium. So, that is the, uh, that's the news of the day. Spring practice gets underway, and what I find interesting is what um, James Franklin talked about yesterday. You do not see a lot of coaches talking big picture about their program. This doesn't happen. Now, now they're practicing, and internally, he will tell them to win the day. Externally to the press, he's discussing aspirations about a long-sustained, great program. I had an event yesterday in conjunction with the Central Pennsylvania Food Bank and Wise Markets. It was great to see the entire Wise hierarchy there yesterday. An initiative last year that raised $125,000 which then had the power of $200,000 when Weiss was done with it to help those in need through the Central Pennsylvania Food Bank. And yesterday the speakers were Sandy Barber, who talked about vision, and James Franklin. When I introduced James Franklin yesterday, I discussed that something I felt was significant more than anything else that happened this past season. 
I said, we're standing in a building, because this took place at Beaver Stadium. I said, we're standing in a building that brings with it incredible tradition and memories for everyone here of great moments. And when you look out and look back at the 2016 season, we saw great moments. We saw a championship. I said, well, we saw something more important than anything else for the long-term health of Penn State football. Instead of us gathering around in groups and looking at each other and reminiscing about the past, this Penn State football team, this coaching staff, and this head coach and James Franklin now have all of us talking about Penn State's present and what Penn State is and also about how incredible Penn State's future can be. That's what that 2016 team did. And yes, I ad-libbed it the same way yesterday as I did just now. (laughs) But that's what they did. Yes, they won the Big Ten Championship. And yes, as I said at the end of the game, look, they brought back the fun, the excitement, and the title. But they also transformed the mentality of every Penn State fan. Now everyone is talking about what Penn State football is. And now everyone's talking about what Penn State football has the potential to be. And it's always great when you can talk about what you have that's exciting and positive in the present with an optimism as to what the future can be. And that's what James, his staff, his football team, athletic department, the whole deal, that's what they were able to accomplish in 2016 by what they did on the field. Now, this is going to bring with it expectations. Everyone knows that. But part of trying to build long-term success is going to bring with it long-term expectations. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, welcome back. Great to have you with us. As we wrap up on a Wednesday, I'll be heading over to a practice in a little bit to you know, get a look. I mean, look, the first couple of practices are normally uh, no pads. I believe of the 15 practices that you have, three of the 15 have to be without pads. So normally what some schools do, the first couple are acclimation without pads, and that then leads to you saving that third one somewhere else along the line and then picking a spot to have the third one. And the 15th practice is the blue-white game. So, And that will be April 22nd, 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock, you'll hear it right here. On News Radio 1070 WKOK and the Penn State Sports Network. Uh, the opener for the Phillies is, what, 10 days away now? April 3rd. Yeah. And of course, we'll have the full schedule of Phillies baseball here on News Radio 1070 WKOK all season long. 
Looking forward to that. And they have the starting pitching where you feel like they're going to be in the game every night. And they have the farm system that makes you feel that they can start making that Houston Astros kind of move with the organization here. So let's see how it plays out. Yeah, the Cubs are going to be the favorite going in, but the journey for the Cubs is going to be a little bit different this year than last year. It's just the way it is. It's, it, these it's 162 games. It's never smooth. Now I realize that we, you know, on this thing here, we crank out 250 of these a year, and it's pretty much the same thing every day. No. Remember, Lawrence had a perfect. Lawrence got the a perfect bracket. He's into the Sweet 16. No no losses. This is still startling news to me. Man, not bragging but, at all. It's like well, a, he, he he does. He just lays low and just he just he just just tries to stay on the mark. <laughs> he kind of saw what you did there. That's <laughs> <laughs> what he does. <laughs> well, the first thing he said to me, he goes, the show is not named after me. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I missed that programming meeting when we brainstormed the title. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what, do you, what does he want to call this show? On the Steve? What? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. It's just, I don't think it works. <laughs> just, that's just me. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Uh So the NCAA, we'll get a little bit more of the NCAA tournament coming up tomorrow. As we mentioned, the opening weekend, highest ratings and most viewership in 24 years. Uh, again, I'm anxious to see, and I don't know, maybe early next week, what the cable numbers were for wrestling. Did Penn State's dominance and the excitement of five wins in a row translate to getting people to watch it? Or when it's all said and done, Penn State people are happy about it, and everybody else, I don't want to answer that. Now, some of you may be saying, well, how could you possibly say that? And you always try to take another situation and relate it to give you a different perspective. So for longtime wrestling fans, how juiced up were you to watch Iowa win 14 in a row? I mean, really? Hey, I, I was going to win again. I can't wait to watch it. You're like, I'm not watching that. <laughs> Most of you, I'm not going to watch that. Penn State kids in there, I'll watch. But no, I don't want to I don't really care what Dan Gable's doing. So that's why that's why I'm interested to see how it translates. How does it translate? To have a power like Penn State do what they did. Hockey team is going to be taking on Union Saturday, four thirty, Cincinnati. Well, Brian Tripp, the play-by-play voice of the uh, Nittany Lion men's ice hockey team, on the show tomorrow to talk about their first ever NCAA tournament game. And to do it in five years, where you start with a blank piece of paper and say, okay, let's see, I need some forwards. I need some defensemen. I need some goalies. And that's where Guy Godowski essentially was when he took the job, when he left Princeton to come here. And in five years, 
there in the NCAAs. It really is a remarkable story. It's a great story of what they've been able to do. And they will play that opener Saturday at 4.30 in Cincinnati against Union. It's not as if they're completely unfamiliar with Union. Over the past few years, they have played Union, and some of those players on both sides are still there. I always love when I see, you know, that 2013 game, Wichita State-Kentucky. CBS does too much of this. This is one something I don't like. CBS does too much of this. Oh, that, that epic game in 2008. Uh, you mean that epic game in 2008 where the guys on the current team were 9, 10, and 11 years old? Really? Epic it has nothing to do with the current players. Nothing. Now, it's something like Wichita State and uh, Kentucky played in 2013. Everybody's gone from those teams. I mean, everybody's gone. Nobody left in those two teams except for John Calipari and Greg Marshall. But how often do you have to hear about 2013? There's nothing to do with today's game, except the coaches are still the same. So we'll talk about the Sweet 16, a most unexpected Sweet 16, coming up tomorrow. Four games tomorrow, four games coming up on Friday. Then Saturday, it's the first of the Elite Eight games. And Sean's having a huge party catered by Brewers Outlet. I know I can't wait. I've carved out an entire day. He hasn't invited me yet, but I'm sure it's in the mail. I'm hoping... In fact, I was going to bring pickles from the pickle bar to make it even more special. Just waiting for the invitation. Just hoping. We think it's arriving any day now. We think. I was told if I bought digital media, I'd have a better shot of getting in. Your home for the Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. This is WKOK Sunbury.